I have a dream to make movement practice universally understandable and accessible to anybody in the world and even understandable to those who are outside of the culture. I've started with the podcast featuring conversations that I have with teachers and practitioners who are in this community. I've learned so much from these conversations and really connected with people, both the listeners and the people that I've got on the podcast, and that's been a real joy. And so I want to pay that forward. I want to help listeners to this podcast also connect with other listeners and with teachers who I have on the podcast. So I'm really pleased to announce the opening of the Active Hang. The Active Hang is an online discussion board or a forum, a space for thoughtful and critical discussion on movement practice. You have a question? You want to meet the others? Jump on the Active Hang, say hello, ask your question and connect. My dream for the Active Hang is that it can become an asset to the community, a knowledge bank, a resource, one where people come and contribute. Where can you find it? It's on thepassivehang.com. It's free to sign up. Come in and say hello. Once more again, you can access it at thepassivehang.com. Episode 45 of The Passive Hang, and today we are joined by Kenan Dinkelman, who resides in Germany. He's a dancer, mover, acrobat, teacher, and really excited to get him on because he's been releasing awesome material online recently. When you jump on his Instagram page, you can see there's a very special quality to his movement. So I wanted to find out the story behind the man and share it with you guys. We're going to get started now. I see you guys in the episode. Yeah. Hey guys, we're at episode 45 of the Passive Hang. And today I'm joined by Kenan Dinkelman on the podcast. Very excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Kenan, you're in Berlin, your hometown at the moment. I think you were saying you've just been traveling on the road. You were performing at a show in Frankfurt. What's been happening recently? Um, yes, so I was in Frankfurt to rehearse with a choreographer called Evangelos. And um, actually, we didn't have the show yet. We are still in the creation process. And um, it, the pandemic made it a bit complicated to make the piece because it's a trio, actually. But um, two of the dancers are from Greece and then they were not allowed to come to Germany um, because of the lockdown. So he was working with them in Greece. And then um, in February, he worked with me in Frankfurt. And then hopefully in April, we will meet all together when the lockdown situation is a bit more loose to um, finish the piece, you know, to um, work all together and uh, yeah, and then show it in Kassel. Hmm. But um, yeah, unfortunately, um, it's really difficult to set the things at the moment, like the rules are changing, you know, week by week. So yeah, we will see. Yeah, you really have to have patience, right? Because I, I'm sure you probably have all this built up energy now, you got excited, but then you have to wait until you can all do it together yes, yes. again. Yeah, it's really weird uh, times, I have to say, for a performing artist. Yeah, so I just wanted to, uh, I guess, backtrack a little bit for the listeners. Mm -hmm. So for anyone who might be new for you, what do you do at the moment? So you said you're a performance artist. Um, uh, how do you describe what you currently do? Mm -hmm. um, yes, so I'm a dancer, choreographer and teacher. So I work in three different fields and... Um, at the moment, though, I focus mainly on teaching, and that is because of the pandemic. Um, yeah, as I said already, performing is really difficult. So um, I focus mainly on teaching, and also I focused on transmitting my knowledge also um, online, you know, to work um, online with online courses, um, because it's the only way how I can stay in contact with my students and people who want to learn from me at the moment. There is now slowly opportunities where I can also teach um, like in person again, but they're very little and um, also sometimes they get cancelled. So I really love to have this um, yeah, steady um, work online. Yeah, I guess for you, it must have been pretty tough at sometimes, you know, having some of that physical work or taken away from you or the shows cancelled. But then I guess from my side, 
a bit selfishly, if this didn't happen, maybe I would never have found out about you if you didn't stop, didn't, didn't start sharing things online, didn't start creating courses online. So I think there's, you know, silver linings behind this change as well, which I'm happy to say because now we get to connect and I get to find out a little bit more about your background where maybe I wouldn't have if you were just uh, teaching more in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. No, I'm happy that you're interested in my work. And um, I agree that the pandemic also gave me a lot of chances, you know, because I was before already thinking, yeah, maybe I want to do an online course, um, seeing, for example, what um, Fighting Monkey is doing. Like I found it very inspirational how they work with their business. But yeah, I was maybe too lazy to do it or like I didn't feel the necessity to do that. And then in the pandemic, I didn't have a choice and I went for it. And um, it turned out uh, really well. Like I'm really happy with um, how it goes and with the feedback I receive. So yeah, I'm always trying to do the best out of every situation, I guess. So maybe if we take it back to the very start as well, have you always been dancing? Like in school, were you a dancer or was this something that developed a little bit later in life? Mm-hmm. Um, no, it developed actually quite late. In life, when I was 21, I, I started to dance. But I have to say that uh, I was always a very active child. Like I was doing judo and playing soccer with six years old already. And then with 12, I got to know about capoeira. And um, because of a PlayStation game, actually, and I think I heard the story now already from somebody else, but there's this uh, game called Tekken 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a character called Eddie, and he's doing capoeira. And I just really loved the movements. I don't know, it was so fascinating. And I just copied him. Like when I was outside, I was doing macacos, cartwheels, flipping around. Um, yeah, and it, was, it came really natural to me somehow. So I teach myself those movements. And then with 18, I took my first actual capoeira class. And um, yeah, that was also good. But still, I didn't really practice regularly. And then with 21... During a backpack travel, um, after school, I was uh, traveling a lot. I wanted to, you know, discover the world somehow. And uh, so I was traveling from Germany to Turkey, hitchhiking. And in Serbia, I took part in a festival in the mountains called the Rainbow Gathering. And there somebody was teaching a contact improvisation workshop. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I did that. And um, what I loved about it was that this person was guiding me into body awareness. And what I mean by that is that, of course, in capoeira, you also are aware of your body and you, you know, you know what you're doing. And then soccer, you, but in soccer, for example, you focus on the other people on the, on the ball, but you don't really go internal with your focus. So um, that opened uh, up a whole new world for me. And then um, I really liked that. And then I thought like, yeah, I always wanted to do something with movement. And um, then dance was something very concrete. I could see and I was like, okay, I want to do that. I want to dance. I have to chuckle when you mentioned Eddie from Tekken as well, because I think that inspired a lot of us. I really love that game as well. Mm -hmm. And it's not been until recently now that I'm now practicing capoeira and I'm realizing what you were doing when you were a child. I don't know why, but when I was a child, I would just play the game, but I wouldn't actually be practicing the movements. Maybe I should have done that. <laughs> I, could mm-hmm. be, I could be ahead yeah. a, a lot more, but um, it's quite interesting that it took you so long until you actually went to a capoeira class as well, like five years. It must have been mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a pretty big shock, I think, when you actually join a class and then actually do it with other people, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, also the singing, for example, I wasn't used to the singing and that was really awkward in the beginning. Um, But yeah, I mean, the teacher was really good um, from Brazil, um, Mestre Xuxo. I don't know if you know him. He's quite uh, known, I think. And I'm I'm super thankful for everything he taught me because uh, that really shaped the way I move. And um, I can even work with that knowledge now, you know, like I I can make a living with my dance background and my capoeira background. So yeah, I'm really thankful for what he did. And from what it sounds like, you went into the mountains in Serbia, was exposed to this form of dance, and then when you descended from the mountains, you, you knew what you had to do. You had to start <laughs> studying dance. 
yeah 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 it's uh it's true yeah it's really somehow i don't know how you say it but like um like in a uh, dream or like in a movie you know like but um yeah um it was a really good experience and so did you start getting formally educated from that point you went to like a university course to study dance or how did you go about it Mm -hmm. um yeah i was looking up schools in germany and europe and i found one in berlin it's called the etage and they have different departments so they have circus um acting dance uh mime as well and actually i didn't have any dance background so i didn't um, dare to apply for the dance department but i applied for the circus department because I knew they're gonna take me with my capoeira background, that's um, quite sure. And then when I entered the school, after two months, I asked if I can switch department to the dance. And that was because I felt like in the circus department, the training was quite muscular. So we had to do a lot of strength training. And um, yeah, at that time, that was not my focus. Like I wanted to articulate my body and to go into details. And the strength training made me move like a block a little bit. I felt at least, you know, mm. so um, I switched to dance. Then I had, uh, I stayed there one year. I had some really inspirational teachers, but the overall level of the school was not so high. So then I decided to go to another school in Arnhem, actually in, in Holland. Mm. And who would you say is, has been like your first significant teacher for dance? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, there's two. Um, the first one is um, Julia Christ, and um, she was teaching dance acrobatics. So it was. Uh, I was really lucky to find her so early in my um, life, because it's basically very similar to what I do now. Like dance acrobatics is, I think, just another name for flow acrobatics in a way, but um, has the same principle of like taking acrobatic movements and implementing them in contemporary dance so that they seem part of the dance, you know, they don't seem like tricks, but um, they really become part of your flow, part of the phrase. Um, so that was one teacher. And then the other one was um, a contact impro teacher called Lara Martelli. And um, what was special about her was that she was teaching me a lot of principles, um, like which I could use then um, everywhere, you know, like things um, like rolling point of contact or shifting the weight or um, thinking in spirals, um, oppositions. Like there's just so many um, principles, movement principles, which I got to know early on in my dance career and they really helped me. And also because when you work with a partner in contact improvisation, you understand them on a deeper level, I think, because you have a, um, how to say, like a, a direct feedback. So let's say if you shift your weight with the partner, you feel already if you do it right or wrong, because when you need to lift the person and you don't shift your weight in the correct way, you, um, yeah, you hurt yourself and the lift doesn't work. So, um, yeah, it's very easy to understand the principles when you work with another person. Mm. I'm really interested to dig in deeper into these, this principle or principle driven type teaching, especially later, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, with the type of dance that, I'm seeing a lot on well, this sort of flow acrobatic movement that you described that you see on Instagram a lot lately, especially coming through, you know, the whole the movement side of things. I think one thing is interesting, like a lot of it is normally just like one person, right? Like you see one guy or girl and they'll be doing their uh, sequence. But mm -hmm. when you're doing dance, when you were learning and when you're doing it now, is this, also similar or is it as you mentioned like you're normally dancing actually with a lot of other people mm -hmm. um well i practice by myself but i also practice a lot of other people uh, for sure i think that's really important um so in berlin i have uh, some friends who are break dancers and we go out to dance a lot like even now in the winter we went out sometimes it was really cold but um that was the only option we had so yeah, it's, I think it's really important to exchange with other people ideas and um, they can give you feedback. And also just being in the room with other people, I think you feed off them somehow, like even though maybe you don't really try to copy them or something like that, but just the fact that they are there and you perceive them in space and what they do makes already something with you. So yeah, I think it's, uh, it's important to 
to work with other people. I don't know if that was your question, but you know, when you get together with someone, you know, if you have the opportunity to, you know, train or have a, a dance jam with them, like how might that run? Would you guys maybe say, oh, let's do this sequence and then play with it together? Or would it be like trying to discover more in a, in a principle or how do you normally like to enjoy yourself when you have the presence of another person mm -hmm. and you're just like, okay, we're going to train together. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think usually we start like with a warm up all together and uh, one of us would lead them uh, warm up and that can be anything from like mobility training to strength training or some floor work um, some improvisations also. And um, yeah, then we just take it from there and we say, for example, like, yeah, let's explore maybe this principle of moving only from the head and pelvis. And then we would do that all together for some time. And then maybe only one person does it and the others are watching. And then we say, okay, let's maybe add another quality. So you move your um, spine, but then let's have really sharp movements in the hands. So then you have to uh, have two qualities at the same time in your body. And, um, and then often also what happens then after a while, we would do a jam. So let's say we make a circle and then one person is entering and just um, dancing to the music and then going out and then the next. And that uh, comes from Capoeira, but also in breakdance, they do that a lot, like sort of like a battle thing. And then you see like somebody's pushing the energy a little bit and it's doing something cool. And then you come in and you want to beat that. and um, yeah, it's it's great for motivation also, you know, it's really fun. And um, yeah, it's also very personal because I feel like the body never lies. So you get to know your friends also on a, you get to know your friends on another level better, mm. I feel. You know, you see how they move and um, and then you see also how they progress. So with some people I practice since years already and it's so beautiful to see how they progress in their movement and then in their uh, work also. So yeah. yeah, that's really interesting. So it's like you guys come together in communion, you do stuff together, you try and layer complexity on one over the other as you might start understanding a certain pattern of movement. But then to finish it, you guys all will form that circle and then it's like individual performance time where then you can express yourself in front of everybody. And do you guys normally then give each other yeah, like this feedback after each person goes at the end. And is this where, yeah, I'm wondering, you know, at the end of the session, how does it go with understanding, oh, what just happened there? And then maybe then integrating it into a learning that you can take to yourself afterwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do that sometimes, not always, but um, sometimes we do that. So for example, if there's a break dancer who doesn't have a, formal classical ballet background um usually like the legs are not so active um reaching up you know like there's mostly stay gr uh, low to the floor and then i would just uh, ask him yeah maybe you can use your legs more in the air you know like uh, try that maybe and um yeah and then in the next round he's trying that or like um what i got told was like use your face more when you dance like you have a really good technique and it's fluent movement but somehow we miss a little bit the expression, like the life, you know, and then I try to implement that. And um, yeah, like that, I think it's a, it's a, it's how we do it somehow. And how about when you practice by yourself? How does that, oh, what, what does that look like recently? Like what have you been working on and how do you, how does a session run for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, recently because of the lockdown, I would um, practice at home uh, only. And um of course, the space is limiting, but there's also benefits. And what happens somehow with me is that my uh, practice and then what I usually do at home, so computer work and laundry and cooking and all those things, they mix together. They, they fuse, you know, like, for example, I would sit uh, half an hour in front of the computer and then I um, start to warm up my joints, like my wrists and um, the shoulder, for example. And then uh, I would uh, maybe eat something, then come back to the training work on my feet like strengthening the feet and finding balance and then i hang the laundry but while i hang the laundry i still think of my feet you know so i take this awareness of the practice into what i do at home uh, usually and um, 
that's great because it means somehow I can practice longer. Mm. You know, like I can be aware of my body while I do things at home. And, um, and for the feet, for example, it's really important to do that because when you have flat feet, um, it takes a long time to change that pattern of like always falling in. So you need to activate this arch like, um, yeah, 24 seven almost, I think. And, and that's good to, to, to do at home, I think. I think this comes back to that first point that you were saying, how you were kind of awakened with this state of body awareness. And it's so nice to hear this, that as you just go about your home doing normal sort of tasks, that you get to integrate all that you've learned into, in, into just daily life, right? In such a, in such, mm-hmm. such a nice way. Um, and I guess... In addition to that, when you're actually sitting down for a session as well, is there anything specific that you're working on or is it mainly centered around maybe some of your uh, like actual perf- upcoming performances? Um, how is mm-hmm. that sort of structured? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so self-practice for me is a lot about digesting informations I got from other teachers or choreographers. And um, yeah, I really took a lot of workshops in my life and I feel like I can practice now for years, you know, I can practice by myself for years. And um, like, yeah, at the moment I work on the elbow lever, for example, like how I can implement the elbow lever into my dance because it's a movement which I don't know for so long. Um, so for example, from the handstand going into the elbow lever, I think that's quite challenging for me at the moment, you know, um, that, and then yeah, some breakdance moves, the windmill, for example, I want to learn um yeah i think that's uh, about is and then also um when i work with a choreographer uh, i also want to get deeper into that so layering different qualities is also something i work on at the moment what i described before you know like to have um let's say a very soft movement quality in my spine and then the hands are doing something sharp sometimes then i also need to take care of my facial expressions um, then how I move through space, so to have a pattern in space where I move, then the musicality as well, so listen to the music and moving on the beat, and that's a lot of things to think about at the same time, and um, yeah, I need to practice that because I'm more like, a, I don't know, I like to focus on one thing, like flow, for example, it's, uh, yeah, but then I need to think also a lot of about many different things at the same time when I work with a choreographer, so I have to practice that as well. And do you always practice with music in the background? Music helps me to motivate, but it's not always necessary. Sometimes it's also really nice to have this um, clean space somehow, like this calmness. Yeah, because I guess traditionally dance is thought of as to music, right? So it's Mm -hmm. interesting to think about like the silent dance or the dance within your mind where you have this concept or this picture in your head and you're still trying to express yourself through in in the body. And I think that's something that I really struggle with coming from a more just like strength conditioning type of background for so long in university. And then now only say like in Capoeira being forced to be more expressive, you know, not just doing a, a, a static jinga, but really trying to make that more dynamic with the other person. And that's really challenging. And I can't even imagine more on the dance level, as you're saying, you know, with the face, with the whole body, trying to express myself. I, when you were, you've been saying that you've been teaching people recently and I'm guessing, have these mainly been dancers or have this been, has this been quite a, a wide audience as well? Um, online, it has been a quite wide audience, I would say. Yeah. In person, it's more um, dancers, but online, yeah, there was uh, people from the movement culture, um, people with a yoga background, dancers, acrobats, like yeah, actually really a a big variety of people. And what have you been noticing from people coming outside of the dance culture into this material that you know so well? What have you noticed that students maybe have been challenged with the most? Mm -hmm. Mm, That's a good question. Yeah, maybe to remember uh, movement phrases. Like this is something, if you're not used to it, it, it's going to be challenging in the beginning. Um, So to remember like nine or 10 
movements after each other. Um, yeah, with my online coaching, I can see like if people still think while they do the phrase, you know, like they, they stop and they, ah, oh, what comes next? Ah, oh, yeah, this move. And then it's just a process, but like people from the movement culture, like, yeah, are not used to that. And that's a, that's a difference. Um, yeah. And then also in dance, you, um, reach a lot with your extremities, with your legs and arms you know, to move really big, like in ballet, you learn that also in contemporary. And in the movement culture, it's, um, I feel like a lot about the softness in the body, but there's not so much reaching. And um, this is also something that I always um, ask them to do, like, yeah, really think of reaching far with your fingertips um, because it gives a, a lot more. Like also when you reach into opposite directions, you can create sort of like this tension in your body and then you can relax in this tension somehow and hoover, you know, across the, uh, the floor. Um, yeah, and that I think is a little bit challenging sometimes for, the, for other people who have not a dance background. Yeah, I think I've seen, you know, the qualities of your movement just going through briefly like with your videos and you can see there's, I think when you're just looking at it as well and you're not a dancer, there's obviously a lot of things which you just can't understand. And it's nice to hear about these things such as like the reaching out, the, this expanding, mm -hmm. which might be part of the picture of what I'm experiencing when I'm just viewing your movement, right? And it's quite interesting because sometimes like I know I watch other people and then I'm like, oh, that was really cool. I want to copy them. And it's just like trying to be the copycat and you, you pause the video, you slow it down, everything like that. And then you try and perform it. And then when you look back at yourself, you're like, it looks nothing like it, but <laughs> it's an interesting <laughs> process nonetheless. So mm. I was wondering with finding like, I guess, personal style within movement and going back to the expression part as well. Is this something that you um, have been helping people find as well, say within these courses or like how, how does one find, I guess, their own, their own style? Mm -hmm. Own style. Well, that's a big word I would say. Hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if I would say that I have a own style. Like I think everything has been done already, you know, and um, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. I feel to make something new, to create something new, like truly new. Um, I think it's just that you need to find what, what you like and what you're good at. And that's a process. And um, then just, yeah, expand on that and do that. And through that, you will find your own approach to it or your own way of thinking about it but it might not look so different to what other people are doing i don't know that's also maybe just my perception but like i feel like floor acrobatics like as i said already there's dance acrobatics soft acrobatics um contemporary acrobatics micro acrobatics zen acrobatics like there's so many different names but in the end for me they look quite similar like it's always about connecting movements from capoeira the floor work and release technique and I don't know, you know what I mean? Like I, I feel it's really difficult to yeah to just create something new. Um but you can create your own approach, definitely. Mm. Yeah, this is a interesting point about like almost like forms, you know, like when say you're taking someone through let's say like it's a macaca or something, like at, at what stage do you just be like, oh yeah, like you know, if they got it, that's like the macaco in their own style it doesn't really you know exactly copy what how you perform it but they kind mm -hmm. of get it um which is you know sometimes maybe if you're looking at the body weight strength sort of category everyone sometimes is looking for like the perfect planche form or the perfect handstand form you know it must be done in a very certain way so do you sometimes stress the importance of copying that in a certain way for some movements or do you prefer a much maybe more flexible approach? Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that my, what I teach is quite specific. Like it's uh, yeah, it's floor acrobatics. Like there's certain movements in, in that technique somehow. And I really stress the importance of the technique, like to have the correct technique um, because like that you achieve softness in your movement. Like when you have the correct technique, 
your body needs less energy to perform the movement. Um, you know, like when you practice something a lot, you automate it. So also less energy. Therefore, the movement becomes softer. And um, yeah, in the beginning, I really actually, I, I do have a form or like, I think like it's important to have the correct form and technique when you do the macaco. And then maybe um, because of your body composition, it will anyway always look different to other people, you know, like just the fact that your everybody is different makes it so that your dance is also different to other people, I would say. Um, and then, yeah, your approach or you, how you enter the movement, how you exit it. But um, when I teach something, I think it has very clear focus points, which everybody has to do. And I'm not trying to say in the beginning, like, yeah, do it how you want, you know, or how, like, how you express it. Like, I think it's important to, yeah, to do it correct in a way. I think this is a good opportunity to sort of feature and ask you about, like, you've been releasing some courses recently and it's been about like flow acrobatics and, and like beginners in advance course. I mean, maybe where we can start, like, you know, this concept of flow acrobatics, like how do you, mm -hmm define it what what is this mm -hmm. yeah um as i said already it's a it's based around capoeira and contemporary dance and the aim is to find more flow and freedom in movement and by flow i mean a certain movement quality so like soft continuous and um the freedom i mean to have many different possibilities where to move so that you can move very low to the ground but also in the air flipping or jumping that you can move on all fours or um, turning and spinning in the upright position you know to um yeah to have freedom in that way and um yeah that's uh that's i think the core of it cool so it's like no matter where you kind of end up you always have options of how you want to express to go into the to the next movement Yes. And for example, like ballet has, uh, ballet, people don't go to the floor or like in capoeira, you're not allowed to use your upper body on the floor or pelvis, you know, like you always stay on your feet and hands. Um, so yeah, there's quite some other styles which have limitations and I really try to explore all the different possibilities of where you can move. Yeah. I was going to just ask you that. Are there any rules like no-nos where you can't, go and explore like those movements or is it just completely open yeah i think especially wise it's uh, completely open yeah hmm. and in terms of like acrobatics what do you think makes a movement acrobatic mm. yeah good uh, good question also um i mean in the flow acrobatics i try to actually make the acrobatics moves uh, not seem like acrobatic movements you know i i'm try to make them not be like tricks. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have in my course, I have different, um, lectures, let's say, and like there's one with acrobatic elements. So what is in there is, um, for example, the Aikido roll, then cartwheels, um, macaco handstand, some jumps. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, yeah, it's, it's difficult to say it's diff difficult to define because when like Aikido roll could also be like floor work or, you know, like it's sometimes it's um, difficult to say what is what. And like you just mentioned some of the movements there, are these um, like base sort of foundational movements um, that you present that you think everyone needs to sort of cover to start progressing and understanding more towards this flow acrobatic state? Um, yes, exactly. What is important for me is that you know how to squat that you can uh, invert, so go on your hands, and also that you can backbend. And um, the fourth element would be then to move um, on the floor, like lying and floor work. So then you can combine somehow all the different levels. And um, yeah, I just found like if, I, if, if somebody um, is good in those four aspects, they are um, good in acrobatic dance. And so um, the macaco, for example, is combining the squat, the handstand, and the backbend. And um, yeah, it, it just really works. I feel like it's the, somehow the, the base of, of many patterns and phrases I teach. Mm. And do you get people starting to work on phrases straight from the very beginning? Like you mentioned, you know, like nine, 10 movements, sort of phrases, that sort of thing. What does it sort of look like when 
people just start your course as well? Like, does it sort of build up to that stage or, you know, you just go straight into it trying to yeah, you learn go these phrases? Just, yeah, you go uh, just straight into it. And also my beginner's course is not for absolute beginners. Um, I, I write also in the description that you should have uh, already some kind of movement background because generally, um, yeah, I don't think it's the best way to learn something so new um, online, you know, like you should have somehow had another teacher in martial arts or whatever. I think that's important. So I sort of don't start in the very beginning. And, um, but yeah, in the first week you learn already a floor phrase. You, I, at first I teach um, certain patterns like the baby roll and then this uh, spiral on the floor. And then after that, after you learn that, I combine them to one phrase. So the students can understand how the momentum works also. You know, I think momentum is something very important in dance and that you can uh, learn the phrases because you connect the movements with each other. So, yeah. And how do you guide people to structure their session with you? Yeah, so um, I suggest them to do their own warm-up in the beginning because everybody is different. So I think everybody needs different things to warm up and to take care of. And then um, they do my warm-up, which is uh, specific for the things which happen later, like wrist or hip mobility or um, releasing unnecessary muscle tension with some shaking or so. And um, then I would start with flow work and the patterns, then a phrase of flow work. And then usually come some preparation exercises like backbends. Um, and from then I go to the acrobatic elements like cartwheels or judo roll. And then I go to an acrobatic phrase. And then also there is usually um, research improvisation where they learn a principle which is um, from the phrase, let's say, but they uh, experience it in an open form, you know, to have always both like open form and set material. Yeah, I think that's both uh, very beneficial. Yeah, so that last part sounds really interesting. Is this where you give them an idea and then they're just working with the elements that they've learned off before into trying to utilize it in their in their own interpretation? Yes, that's exactly uh, so, the aim of it, yes. Yeah, I was wondering, would you be able to share like what, what, what might one idea look like and and, it, and its form look like? Mm -hmm. Sure. So for example, um, when you do a cartwheel, you switch the head with the pelvis like once, no? like you go upside down and then you, you come back uh, standing. So when you do a cartwheel, you, come, you can become aware of that movement in your spine. And, um, but also you can practice this principle by yourself in an open form and then just see like the heaviness of the head, like how can you swing the head? in space and how does that affect the rest of the spine and the pelvis how can you enter the floor with like leading from the head um, or with the pelvis and then exiting the floor creating spirals um yeah i think it's a it's a really good principle to work with the spine yeah i think you know that was one of the great things that i really gained from starting having a broader movement practice was having a a great focus on you know the spine spinal articulation just awareness in all sort of movements as well and i think it's been you know really wonderful because for whatever reason when i was just doing more mainly barbell training that sort of thing it's always just you know like stiff neutral spine or you're not really thinking about it at all and then once you start becoming aware of it it's it's just like everywhere you're like oh i've got this like wonderful thing that can move in all these different places and when you move it it just feels really really good right mm, yes correct <laughs> so one thing i wanted to cover as well is like this concept of um failing or falling you know especially when i see a lot of acrobatic movement you know i'm just getting started as well and there's a lot of yeah times you just can't pull it off and a lot of things which are just plain scary as well so mm -hmm. how do you think about falling and in particular, when you're trying to learn a new skill, you know, to manage that risk of, oh, okay, if I don't do it correctly and I, and I fall this way or I don't execute it correctly, so, you know, something might happen. How do you manage that? Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, you put it really nice. Um, the combina the combination of risk taking and falling. Um, so it's really important to know how to fall, I think. And I was lucky that as a child I did judo, so somehow I really embodied, you know, the falling front, the falling back. Um, and it's it saved me my life also a lot when I, for example, when I was biking, I fell to the front that I could roll. Um, so yeah, and then in contemporary, you also learn how to roll to the side, you know, and I cover um, all those in my course, like, because I think it's important, as I said already, if you know how to fall, then you will take more risk while dancing. And then you have more chances to learn because your body adapts faster. And um, yeah. And in, in, in falling and rolling, um, if you focus on the principle of rolling point of contact, it can also really help you. And I think actually Connor Wilde said something like that in your podcast about um, that you need to be hard to be soft. And I really like that. And I could connect to that. You know, that you um, like a football, uh, it has tension and then it can roll good. But if it's uh, deflated, it doesn't roll. So if you are also, you don't have the right amount of tension in your body, when you roll, you will hurt yourself, I guess. Okay. So it's not like when you just fall down and hit the ground, you just try and, you know, relax and collapse into this, this ball, but you need to also have the right amount of tension, like what, like along a certain line so that you can transfer that energy away and then hopefully walk up and do another trick. Yes. Beautifully said. Exactly. And when you're practicing these roles, I guess, how, how do you see when you're connecting from when you're intentionally sort of practicing, okay, I'm going backward roll, sideward roll, forward roll to then, you know, when you do something and then it's unexpected and then you might just hit the ground and you weren't expecting it. Like, do you think it all comes together sort of automatically or do you intentionally practice some of these points as well where you've actually been knocked off balance or something's happened and then you do the roll? Um, well, sometimes I improvise with falling and I, and I on purpose get off balance and then I just see how my body reacts. And that's also like a common exercise in contemporary dance, but, um, yeah, with pushing, like pushing other people or like other people pushing you that I didn't, I never did, but might be also interesting idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think if you know the principles of, um, all the roles, then your body somehow will do them automatically. And then you just need to trust it also that you can do it. And I also feel that if you are very tall, it will be more difficult. Like I'm quite short and I think that really makes it more easy also because my center of gravity is just lower. So um, yeah, if tall people, they feel like, oh, but I'm, I'm not feeling so secure. Yeah, that also has a reason because your center is just so much higher somehow. Mm. And you mentioned these uh, like lectures that, you also present in in the course um i guess for somebody you know, with that movement background and looking to do flow acrobatics getting interested in this area what are some of the main ideas that you think would be really helpful for them to understand to what, what when they start practicing this type of movement mm -hmm. um so yeah for example uh, i explain um how to achieve flow in movement or like how I achieve flow in movement and um, we covered already uh, a few of them now but I just repeat them very quickly so um, the very important thing is to have the correct technique and to really focus on that because um, that will make your movement softer and um, control and strength is another one I find very important uh, which is also quite obvious um, but what people maybe don't think about so much is that um, I think you also need to be vulnerable and uh, surrender to gravity, you know, to um, really let go and go into the floor and just lie there for maybe also, and just accept that you're there. Um, because I feel like in fitness and also a bit in the movement culture, people avoid the floor and they do like animal walks to strengthen. And, um, but yeah, if you want to move, uh, if you want to move soft, you somehow need to surrender to gravity and really roll into the floor and like be comfortable there, you know, and um, also to let go of control and um, let the movement happen. Like you can imagine that the movement is just happening to you and that will make it softer, for example. 
That's an interesting idea because, yeah, normally when I've been practicing some of the movements as well, you're thinking from the technical standpoint, you're thinking it from the strength standpoint, you're thinking about, yeah, you're getting the awareness of like, what's my body doing? But it's almost like this still like, I'm really controlling my body. I'm controlling where I'm going. Uh, you know, in the bodyweight strength community, there's this famous book called like Overcoming Gravity. It's like, you know, more scope of control. So this letting go, I can see how it, can be very challenging because it goes opposite in all these messages that maybe mm-hmm. we've been practicing so heavily in. And it makes me, uh, I think when I first was looking through your stuff, you, you came up with some really interesting, uh, I think you posted like locomotion research and there was like this uh, sideways traveling seal where you're kind of just mm-hmm. like rolling across the ground. And for anyone listening, I, I do recommend you 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 check out that post because it's really really interesting (laughs) and it probably encapsulates this idea because i remember seeing it and being like oh i that's actually one movement i want to copy but i I actually don't think that i i would be able to to like that that sort of giving into the ground and being firm but soft is yeah something i'm I'm still like struggling with, I can see that a lot when I, you know, look at videos of myself. So uh, Mm -hmm. I, I I like what you, you said there, but maybe, you know, with the, that locomotion research as well, uh, you know, is that something also you do a lot of the times? Like how did you come up with those, those movements? What sort of happened in that session? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, Would it be okay if I just backtrack a little bit and just say uh, one more thing about the softness? Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, I also have this book overcome gravity and I think strength and control are super important. So I don't want to, you know, get any misinformation out there. Like, I think that's, that's very important. You just need to also train the, the soft part in a way. And, um, maybe if you want, I can just share a little, um, example of how you could do that also for the listeners, maybe if they, if they're thinking, um, so, for example, I would um, lie on the floor and only focus on my breathing and really um, relax all my muscles in my body and then focus on the point where my body touches the floor and use this pressure to massage my body and, you know, like stretch my body, twist it so um, that the pressure of the body against my skin is creating some nice sensations. And from that, I would start, start to slowly move around and um, connect to the sense of pleasure while I move and then slowly um, get up and incorporate more like fast movements, acrobatic elements, um, things I know already how to do, but always keep this connection with the, with the softness. And um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, that would be one way, you know, to achieve that, but it's really, yeah, you need to train it a lot in order to, to get it. And uh, like also, how you need to train a lot for a muscle up. You also need to train a lot to, to become soft. That's a really nice process. I think I'm going to do that. So mm. yeah, just like from starting from the floor and then working your way up. Cool. Yes. Um, and then you wanted to ask something about the locomo- locomotion. Yeah. Just like from that locomotion research session, I was really interested, like how you came up with those really unique looking movements. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I just experiment. And sometimes it's also just um, connecting um, tools I know already with each other or like finding new beginnings and endings. So for example, in contemporary dance, there's this uh, role called banana roll in which you always create sort of like a banana shape on the floor while you roll. It's kind of difficult to explain it, but so, um, but it, what it is doing is to use the arch in the body to um, create stability. And then I thought about the sideways traveling seal in the same way, because I'm, I'm always like doing an arch with my body somehow. It's just always relaxing into the floor and then creating this arch again to lift my body. So um, yeah, maybe taking some principle of what I know already to apply it somehow in a bit a different way. And Currently, like, what would you say are some personal sort of favorite movements that you like to, you like to do, or whenever you do it, you know, you you're always like, ah, you know, this is always feels really great. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I don't know. <laughs> 
I, I mean, I love dancing in general, but um, okay. So one of my f moves I like to do at the moment is, um, it's hard to explain, but it's like sort of, it comes from capoeira. Um, it's sort of like a one leg macaco, but you sort of turn before, like I do a full turn and then I uh, squat down into the pistol squat. And from that moment on, I do a macaco pushing only from one leg into the air and then um, to twist my hips and uh, land in the front walkover position. Yeah, that's something I like to do at the moment. Um, it's basically combining many different acrobatic elements, like chopping them in half and then putting them together. And yeah. I'm going to have to request you to record that so that when I post this uh, announcement, we can, <laughs> we can show that movement because it sounds really interesting. Yeah. Do you also have any uh, favorite movement you like to do at the moment or... Uh, for myself, I think it is just like the macaco. That's something that I've been working on. And for me, it's when I get that feeling of going over, because for me, going over to the backside is really something very unfamiliar with. Mm -hmm. And so it was months before I even got any sensation of going, oh, like I can commit myself to doing it, that when I do it now, it just gives me that little smile in my face where I'm like ah oh, okay like i've done it i've done it but you get that mm -hmm. sensation as well where i think all your weight has transferred up above onto that that hand support or even before that weight falls onto the hand where you kind of feel a little bit weightless as well and that's a really mm -hmm. really nice feeling so i've been really enjoying that at the moment cool yeah i totally can relate to that yeah and any sort of movements when you were learning that have been like really hard for you or just haven't clicked mm -hmm. um yeah i mean so for example the front walk over i i could not do it for a very long time like um uh, like i dance now since let's say 11 years 12 years almost and i think i only do it since two years and so that was something difficult for me because in contemporary the pelvis is always very low somehow like you're in the squat position a lot um, and then only because I got to know about the CC squat and the diagonal stretch from um, friends of mine who are like in the movement culture, um, that helped me to do then the front walkover. And that really opened up then uh, a lot, um, yeah, many, many possibilities. And um, right now, um, yeah, isolation work is also very difficult for me like um, hip hop, for example, like all those things, when a choreographer is asking me that, I usually struggle a lot because uh, as I said, I like to flow, to move my whole body at once, but then to really isolate different parts of my body, I found that very challenging. Mm. And when you're challenged in this way for those sort of movements, is that something you want to get more into or this area of like flow acrobatics dance is really like you know your your zone this is where you really feel most at heart mm -hmm. um no i like to do both yeah i always like to learn new things and i think also that when i have the isolations for example my flow acrobatics also would get much better like i always feel like when you develop in different areas um you're good area will also benefit from that and um it's also such a good feeling if you learn something new like you know and, and you need that challenge you, i think you need that urgency of like okay i really cannot do that so i i need to focus now and that's really where you learn i think and um no i, I push into that direction also yeah and i have to also when i work with choreographers because it's just what they want so you have to do it anyways in a way <laughs> yeah yeah you're there to to perform right so you just need to to mm. to do what they're they're telling you to do i find that really a real interesting concept especially because it's um maybe different from my side of training which is still you know pretty it's very like self-directed uh you know you do what you enjoy and you like or what you're interested in but when you know you're a paid dancer then you just got to learn what you need to learn that i guess is necessary for the performance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about, you know, you also had the advanced course as well. Mm -hmm. Like what, what's the difference between what you cover through in the basic versus like in, in advance? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
in the basics, uh, I said already the, you know, the squat, handstand, uh, backbend, like basically all the, yeah, the basic movements. And then in the advanced one, it's about connecting all those elements a little bit more. So about, um, for example, connecting the macaco with the front walk over so that you create a new movement. Um, in general, all the acrobatic elements are more difficult. The phrases are longer. Um, yeah, the concepts are also a little bit uh, more complicated, the improvisations. But it's, it's the same concept in a way. You know, it's the same structure. Um, it just depends, like, what is your background and what can you do already? And based on that, you should choose the advanced or the, the beginners. Um, yeah. You know, you mentioned before about some of the tools that you've used that have really benefited you from like the, maybe from the movement culture like the the mm -hmm. sissy squat and the diagonal stretch how, how do you sort of um see that training with your training and and it's like very dance based like how much do you also spend on like development of the body in these uh capacity wise like expanding mobility or, or strength do you spend a lot of time on that or how do you normally uh view that with your normal sort of training mm -hmm. um so i remember um I, in school when i was in a dance school i really sort of neglected strength training and i remember my friends were like yeah we go to the gym we um, do some strength training and I was like no I don't want to do that I just relax here and uh, do some release technique or whatever uh, because I felt like yeah strength training is not necessary because you you really need to focus on the body alignment you know how your skeleton works and uh, to use as less energy as possible while you move um, but then um, yeah after a while I, I also got into strength training and I really find it beneficial now like I work with, with the rings. I also train like muscle ups and dips and pull ups and those things. Um, and I realized that I have less injuries now. Like mm. for example, um, I don't get so many blockades in my neck anymore. Um, and I think that's because, yeah, I have a stronger back now and, you know, just a bit more muscle, like somehow protection of the ligaments. So, um, yeah, I, I really like that. And, um, uh, wrist also wrist warm up i think it's super important all the wrist strengthening exercises um yeah but also like i got to know about the movement culture quite late but on the other hand i was already doing a lot of things from from it without knowing so like all the squatting and um yeah spinal waves and stuff i was doing that already before but uh yeah yeah and does that come from the dance upbringing and, and the culture there, like is everyone sort of doing all this sort of stuff? Uh, because yeah, I'm interested to find out cause I've, I've never gone mm -hmm. through any sort of dance training or yeah. uh, seen that. So I'm, I'm wondering. Yes. So I would say in contemporary dance, yes. In ballet, not so much, but in uh, contemporary, yeah, all this uh, knee over toes, you know, that's so normal for us. Like, I don't know, like in, in fitness, that's like a little bit, not a new thing. There's one guy called, uh, knees over toes on Instagram and he's really getting big right now and I'm like yeah but I did this already 10 years ago like you know what I mean like I don't know for us that's uh, that's kind of normal you know and um, th things like that yeah yeah it sounds it feels like you know the boundaries within this contemporary dance scene are, are almost like non-existent like the you guys are just trying to explore yes. all of the range of movements that you can achieve within the body and so like if you need to go through any of this stuff then you just you just do it right um so mm. has there been many ideas that now that you've seen from outside and maybe had a chance you know to research because you're stuck at home as well that have been surprising for you or you've gone oh okay like that that's a good idea I haven't heard before. Mm -hmm. um, yes, so not in the pandemic, but um, as I said, a few uh, years ago, I got to know about the movement culture and especially the CC squat and diagonal stretch. I think there were like big revelations somehow for me. Um, but otherwise, I mean, to be honest, I'm very busy with um, what I learned in the last years at the moment, you know since I'm freelancing, I'm basically only digesting 
all the informations I, I got like over the years and I don't look so much out I think at the moment you know what I mean like I'm not taking any other workshops of other teachers right now um, also because of the pandemic but also before I didn't do that because there's just so much in me already what I need to clarify and structure in a way yeah so maybe can you explain a little bit about this like digesting process because I, I think this is really interesting as well because in this day you get so much information thrown at you as well you can take any sort of workshop so what do you do to digest mm -hmm. um, yeah basically just go into the studio and self-practice and um, think about uh, concepts other teachers um, explain to you you know like uh, and make it yourself i think that's important that you anyway you cannot really copy what other teachers do but you sort of um, make it yourself by understanding it in your way and finding sense in a way for it. And um, teaching myself also have had um, helped me to do that because you, I suddenly needed to be very clear in what I do, you know. And um, I think it's just time, you know, time with yourself, and then things will happen if you if you just give space for it to happen. Mm. And in terms of your teaching as well, like, was that something that you started from very beginning or is it only something that you've been doing quite recently? Um, how, how has that been? Yeah, how's that developed for you over the years? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was in Bielefeld in a dance company and there uh, the director, Simone Sandroni, just told me like, why don't you teach the company class in the morning once? I was like, yeah, okay, sure, I can do it. And um, I was never thinking beforehand to teach and like that was never crossing my mind. I wanted to be a performer, but um, I really enjoyed the experience and I got good feedback from, the, from my colleagues. And then when I became a freelancer, I, I just started to teach a little bit, you know? And... Um, then what happened is that I came back to this company and I was teaching them again as a freelancer this time. And we recorded a video and I put this on Facebook and uh, it got quite a lot of attention. I think it was like 300,050 uh, views or something like that, like wow. really a lot. And then all of a sudden I got like messages um, from different schools, institutions, um, they all wanted me to teach, you know, and then somehow this uh, happened that I was traveling through Europe, teaching um, in many places. And um, I didn't really plan it that way. It just somehow happened. You know, the opportunities came and I just took, took them. And, um, but yeah, I really love teaching. I love to see people develop and then the, the feeling they get when they learn something, the faces, like, yeah, it's, uh, it's beautiful. And I love the lifestyle also because you're so much more independent as a teacher. Like, um, for example, if I don't like a certain dance job, I, I don't need to have to do that. You know, I can just teach um, or do my online work. Um, yeah, this independence is really um, nice. Yeah, I think in that independence as well, it starts creating that space for you also to be more creative as well within your own practice. I, I normally find when you start feeling like you have choice over going, okay, like I do want to do that or that's something that, you know, I, I don't have to do. Mm -hmm. yes and so i guess just to um start wrapping it up but what's planned for upcoming like what have you got uh you've you've released these new courses hopefully you know everything's going to open up as well for you so that you can do some more shows as well but what's mm -hmm. on your mind like what have you got planned over these next few months mm -hmm. um yeah as i said we have this one uh, performance in Kassel, which I hope will happen. And um, then I'm talking also with another choreographer for another project. And I planned a lot of um, workshops also, like in-person workshops in Europe in June and July. So I really hope things open up again because that would be great. I also like to travel. And um, besides that, not so much. Um, I really practice also to be patient and to not think so much ahead, you know, to stay open because at the moment anything can happen like things can change so fast so um yeah just being present in the moment and yeah i don't know 
just us. Awesome. Well, I'll look out for your future activities because I always enjoy seeing your movement and watching your updates as, as well. So this was a really nice, I guess, brief insight into what you're currently offering for dancers and non-dancers as well. So I appreciate you jumping on for a chat and then sharing your story and some of these, yeah, really helpful thoughts, which I'm going to take away. And especially that exercise on the floor, I'm going to enjoy playing around with that one. Cool, man. Um, yeah, thanks again for having me. It was a pleasure to talk to you. That's it, guys. That's episode 45 of The Passive Hang. Thanks to Kinan once again for sharing his time and jumping on the podcast, sharing his backstory, insight. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I did listening back over it. And I want to thank you guys, as always, for sticking around to the very end, for keeping listening and supporting the podcast. It really means a lot to me. And if you enjoyed it, please remember, share it around to a friend. It really helps build audience and spread this podcast to more listeners. So if you guys have any questions, have any recommendations for me as well, please feel free to get in touch on Instagram. That's at P at P-H-A-O-N-P. Or you can jump online onto thepassivehang.com and find me in there as well exciting plans upcoming next month i'm not going to spoil it for you guys you guys will just have to wait but as always new episodes coming out so i'll see you guys in the next one